Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Point at the screen, yes? There we go. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus. One of many titles that I played with, and I really, the actual title is, is The Frequency of the Cross. Isn't that beautiful? That's absolutely beautiful. Uh, Well, Today is a different type of sermon. It's more of a sermon slash testimony because I can really, I'm a seer, so I can only come to you from that perspective and from experience of what the Lord has done that has actually led up to this day for me personally. Um, I have, as you know, I was on sabbatical for since December, and it was a time of me to really just enter into a rest period. Um, rest as in resting from a new place, not from the place of I am exhausted, I'm tired of the world, I'm tired of all the, it was really resting in Christ from the seated place, which was new for me because, you know, for as much as we try to get there, we always seem to not feel like we always made it, you know, we know what it says in the word that, you know, you, you are seated with Christ in high places, but Do we really live that out? On a daily basis, we're so bogged down by everything that happens in our life. Are we really in that position? How do you respond to people? That'll tell you the first place. (laughs) How you feel about a situation. Nope, I'm not seated there today. I'm sorry, Lord. So my rest was about really, what does that really mean for me? In 2005, the Lord gave me three dreams, and they were a redemptive pattern, a redemptive journey for my life. Separate, the Lord always deals with me in three, so I've had three dreams of my past, and now this is a three-dream series that I never really have shared with too many people, but it was just about what it meant for me to come back to Michigan. Why did I have to come back here? You know? Why would the Lord send me back to a place, back to a church that I ran away from, back to a town that I ran away from? What was my purpose? So that I was like, Lord, I need to know so I can stop hating being here. That's where I was, to be honest with you. I did not want to be back here. I had so much more freedom in life in another place. So coming back here was a struggle. I will not lie at first. (laughs) It took me a long time to finally just go, okay, fine. You know, I got to admit that. (laughs) So I'll just, I'm just going to, the dreams were short, but they were very symbolic of the, the way the Lord wanted to redeem what was stolen from me back when I was a child. Because I always ask the Lord, 
what does it really mean that you died for me and you rose? What does it really mean? I know what, I was saved as a child, but why did all this stuff happen? I came back to you out of knowing that I hit a brick wall in my life and there was nowhere else to go. So what does it really mean about that cross for me? That's what I was looking for. And so it reminded me of my three dreams. And so I sat on those dreams for all these months, just allowing the Lord to let them play out. And so he had me map myself all the way back to my childhood, mapped my highs and my lows, things that have happened to me, things that have been great, but things that, and slowly as I went all the way back, I could see the pattern. I could see the very things that always tripped me up, that always pulled me away, that kept me far from God. The separation. Not all by my fault, but you don't really realize that until hindsight, until you get to a place of freedom. Because we have a tendency to take on these things. Oh my gosh, I did this, I did this. Yes and no. Yes and no. Really. If you really think about it, if you go back in your life and map it, it it's, it's really what was done because of what was done and what was done and what was done that's never been taken care of. And that's what happens in our lives. So as I sat quietly, I didn't ask a lot of questions this time around because I, I wanted to come up higher so that the Lord can give me the aerial view of these three dreams. The first dream was when I was a child in my first house in this neighborhood. This is where I grew up. This is my neighborhood. And so in my first house, I was there to a certain age. Something so devastating happened to me. I have no memory of it because God does not want me to remember the full onset of what it was. But it was enough of a devastation that spiritually in my heart, I locked God into the attic of my house because I was afraid to run to him. Because something, someone, someone in authority lost my trust so I could no longer trust God. I knew he was there, but I couldn't run to him. And he was locked up in my attic. And so three times I visited this dream the third time in 2019, I'm going to go back and forth a lot, so try and stick with me. In 2019, I finally came to a place where the Lord says, it's time for you to revisit this house and come to me. And some things were transforming in my own personal life that I was finally able to go up to that addict. And there when I opened the door and I looked at the, the old man, the white beard and the, and the white hair sim symbolizing God, he finally said to me, I've been waiting for you this whole time. Come and sit in my lap. And so that was my introduction after all these years in 2019 that I finally connected with the loving father. Because I grew up with him knowing him as a mean father. Not able to get to. Afraid to be punished. So after that happened... Some, we move up the street to another house, and there's where I lived most of my remaining young years into my teenage life and some of my adult life, and that's where I was coming into an age where 
I still didn't understand the things that happened to me, but by then, because a door was open and it was never closed in my life by anyone who could help me, I walked a path that was never meant for me. So all these things began to happen in my life. All these decisions based off of this, I made all these other decisions and went another direction. All the while knowing that God was still there. All the while knowing that I loved God, but I couldn't go to him because he didn't love me. That's how it felt. That's how I thought. No matter my gifting, no matter how I saw Christ, no matter the Holy Spirit, I still couldn't get to him. And so in this dream in my second house, I would always run into the front door, run up to the second floor, and I'd walk through this bright light trying to head towards my bedroom. I would end up in this garage, and there was this serpent, long serpent, fulfilled the whole garage. And I knew what that meant. That was my generational curse, the generations of, not, of doors not being closed that, were, that had to be dealt with in my life. And he was showing me that I had to deal with this, which was okay. We never knew when. He never told me when. He never told me what it was going to look like. I just knew that after I came to Christ, after I came back from Michigan, that this was all going to get dealt with. I knew how messy it was by looking at it because she was wicked. It was witchcraft. It was all kinds of generational stuff shaped in a serpent. And so I let this dream sit where it needed to, away from me. <laughs> because if I tried to seek it out, if I tried to undo, I would have made even more of a mess and gone around and spun and spun and spun and spun and been entangled inside that place and never gotten out instead of allowing God to handle it. So I had to make my journey, go on about my journey and as the Lord would unfold things, revisit, revisit. So that dream sat there on the shelf. And then my third dream was in my grandmother's house, which was a few streets back, where on my father's side, all this was coming through. And it was in her driveway, and everything in her garage was coming out. All the furniture, the old stuff was being laid out in the driveway. And I knew what that meant, that I had to go back and see what all this was to start closing doors. So instead of the second dream dealing with it, he said, no, let's go here and I'll show you what to close, little by little. The next door neighbor in the house in the dream, there was always a person in white standing there waiting for me. So I knew I was always protected in these places while I was going back to look at these places. So this is how these dreams panned out. And that was 2005. And again, it was rare that I would ever come and visit these dreams. They just played out the way they needed to. And, um, <laughs> you know, when you really rest, when you truly rest in God, it is amazing how much crap you put in your way that's not even necessary. And you see it all laid out before you. And that's the truth. Because we're so busy trying to figure things out. We're so busy trying to figure out the path God's laid out for us instead of just saying, okay, just tell me what step to take next. Let me just rest in that. 
Nicole, let me see the end from the beginning. You already know that. Just show me step by step, door by door. So I did a lot of just letting go and a lot of cleaning and just releasing these past few months just so that I could get into a place where Jesus became more real as far as what he did for me. Because I needed to understand this to understand the true love of the Father. You know? Because I didn't have that naturally. You know, in this time during the second dream, those, those years that I spent in that house, it was, if you do this, God's going to do this to you. That's how I grew up. So I was afraid to do, I was, I was, but I was always getting in trouble. <laughs> I, because I was, I'm different. So it was like I was into everything, and it was like, but I'd always get in trouble. I was a curious person. You know, I'd try everything, you know. But nobody could keep up with me. But every time I got in trouble, and, and honestly, I took a lot of hits even as a non-Christian. <laughs> I took a lot of hits of the family trying to get me in trouble or whatever. But it was like... I just knew God as I'm going to be punished so bad, you know. So, again, I still couldn't get to him. Last Sunday, I wasn't here because the Lord had finally said it's time to revisit these dreams. And so last weekend, I spent time going over these dreams and how he showed me, you know, my first house and how I have made that connection with him and in how, you know, Jesus was always my champion, but I needed to know the father is my father. And so once that connection has been made, our conversations changed. You know, the place where I can feel like I can stand with him has changed. Whereas my other father, I was, didn't know how to be around. It was really awkward for me. And now it's not, you know, because he is my father now. So, so this past weekend, um, the Lord had me get up on Sunday and actually drive this neighborhood. And it's not that I haven't been in this neighborhood since I've been back. This time I was really in this neighborhood, this Sunday. And as I drove past the houses and I went all the way, all the streets, the high street, the New York, Massachusetts, all, all of them, Vermont, as I drove through each street, the Lord brought back so much memory that I had lost, shut down, pulled away, and showed me every place where somewhere the enemy or something has been stolen from me based off of that one act in my house when I was a child and how everything else transpired in that neighborhood. And it was hard. It was ugly. It was hard to see some of these things, things that I did, but based on this, based on an open door that was never meant to open. You know, and of course you go through this place of repentance and you're so sorry and the Lord's like, it's okay. Just plead my blood as you drive through these streets. You know, the hardest one was when I got to the first house because that was the initial impact of my life. You know, under five years old, that was the initial place of, of interference of the enemy where he entered in and paved my path. 
And the thing that I had, it was funny, as I was driving and pleading the blood, Amazing Grace came on the radio on my little phone. And I'm like, yo, I love this song. But as soon as it got to who saved a wretch like me, I got mad. I got mad. I know I was a sinner, but those things were not my fault. And I got mad that, no, you know what, Lord? I did sin. I did make a lot of mistakes, but I am not a wretch. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a child of God, whether I was with you or not. I'm still a child of God that you loved from the very beginning that the enemy had an opportunity to come in and take over and steal from me, stole my innocence, stole my trust, twisted my mind. I got mad. <laughs> I got mad. I just, I don't like that word. I, I, I don't like that word. Yes, I have sinned, but I'm, I'm not a wretch. I, I, I'm, I'm a daughter. I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. So how can I be a wretch if I've been fearfully and wonderfully made? That doesn't make sense. It's contradictory. So I had to settle that with the Lord. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't like the word. I'm done with it. That's it. <laughs> no more will I use that word. It's not right. Anyway, that was a side note. <laughs> Get me going. So as, I, as I'm driving through and I'm taking care of all this, I'm like, okay, Lord, so, so, so what does this mean? I, I'm, 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 really, I'm pleading the blood and I'm, and I'm ending this. He said, Holly, these dreams, these redemptive dreams that I showed you was to help you get to a place where finally I can shut all the doors on your generations that you've been praying for. So there's a finality in your generations because none of these doors have been closed. Not by anyone in my family. And so I get to be the one who closes these doors. There will be nothing coming forth from me, but there is still my family I can pray over. <laughs> you know, I can, I can end it because I have nieces and nephews. I can, I can say no more. No more to the religion. No more to the poverty mindset, and no more to the infirmity. These are the three things that even though the Lord said it is finished at the cross, these are the three things that the enemy still tried to hang on to in the earth, and he will use it against all of you, all, all, everyone. This is the only weapon he has. The only weapon. So if you can imagine the Lord on the cross, when he said, it is finished, when he bowed his head, the frequency from his body emanating all of everything that he did for us, everything that he carried, every bit of love that he had for his father to do this, the frequency that went forth that cut through the veil, it wasn't just between the nations. It was between religion. It was poverty. It was everything that he cut through. The frequency. That frequency is still alive today. Every year we celebrate the it is finished. 
because the frequency is still continuing. It hasn't changed. The Lord took me to John this morning, John 17. And this is where Jesus is praying for us. And for as many times as I've read this, I've never really seen it like I do today in this time frame. And I honestly believe that this is a key to non-believers right now, that if they truly understood what it took for him to do, to go to the cross, to die, if they truly understand the prophetic moment he had with the Father in praying for us, that it, that, that it would mean so much more. So I'm going to read it. And as Jesus prays for us, I'm reading in passion. It says, and I ask not only for these disciples who he has been praying for before, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message, the Bible. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you, Father, and I, Father, are joined as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Now, he's looking up as he's praying this. He's looking up to the Father. He's serious. He's praying for us. He's interceding. He's prophetically saying, Lord, this is what I want when I die. This is a prayer we can pray for others. So for the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. I love how he just says, you, Father. It's you, Father. It's you, Father. Bringing us back to the Father. Redeeming us back to the Father. Something we, I think that we forget so easily that when people come to the Lord, do they understand that it's back to the Father that they're answering that? And that's what they need to know. Meet the Father right away. Get baptized by the Holy Ghost. Have the full trinity operating in them. It's so important. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in a perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. When we believe in Christ, true followers, totally sold out, that is what they're seeing, that we believe in the father. That is what we're to show. I reveal to them who you are. And I will continue to make you even more real to them 
so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me, for your love will now live in them as I live in them. That's a beautiful prophetic prayer of intercession before he goes. That was his heart. He loved the Father. He understood the plan, and he did it. I find that fascinating. I've never really seen that before like I do today. Jesus has always been my champion. In my second dream, that's who he became. Because my second dream was the pivotal point where my father left me. And on that day, which I didn't know till later in the years from a sozo, the Lord was standing behind me and he said, Holly, I've always been your champion and I always will. Because the one thing in my life is that I've never had people had my back. And so that's been an important thing to me. And then when the Lord says, I am your champion, that set me free from that needing someone to have my back. Because God, the Lord, is my champion. And when you can settle in that, ain't nothing stopping you. You may look like you're weary, but you still keep moving because you know. You know. So what does it mean when the Lord, when, the, when Jesus is praying that to be with me where I am? Well, if we go over to Ephesians 2, which I hope I have marked still. When Christ rose from the dead, came out of that grave, and he finally ascended after he walked around and talked with people. That must, can you imagine how amazing that would have been? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think on that, and I'm just like, wow. And he wasn't even in his glory yet, and he still walked around, and he was still. What does that life look like at that moment? You know what I mean? Is he glowing? Is he, it's just. He could walk through walls, so is he transparent? What would that have looked like? Just having that, knowing that a life just came back and he's walking around like nothing's happened. <laughs> Showing up to the disciples, let's break bread, okay. <laughs> but when he ascended, he took us with him. He took us up there with him. And I know we all know this. I know we all read this. I know we get we're seated with Christ. But if we truly are seated with Christ, then we would be walking on this earth a whole lot different. We really would, if you think about it. The power, the inheritance, everything that was left to us, calling us up to be seated as we walk down here from the seated place, again, we're walking from the seated place, allows us to stand from the seated place, spirit and body, spirit and body at the same time. That is the power that we pull from. The risen Christ. So in his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't long ago that you lived in religion, customs and values, what I've just been redeemed from, 
of this world obeying the dark ruler, the earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that is with us, that was with us from birth, was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self, the redemptive plan of God. He's just spelled out what he's trying to redeem us from. Yes, it is finished at the Christ, but we still have to walk it out. By whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. This is where the cross becomes so much love and so much war. If we continue reading, but God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, an exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. So the cross is love and war. Love for everything and everyone of us that have been created, war against the enemy who still tries to oppress us with religion, the threefold cord, religion, poverty, and infirmity. The three things that we battle on this earth. But what if we start learning to battle from the seated place? If we learn, which I know is coming, the full glory manifestation of God in us on this earth is coming, it's no longer come up to the line and, and, and let me lay hands. It's one of us standing up here and saying, God is there right now moving on a person because we're doing nothing because God is doing all the work. That's the manifested. That's us seated with Christ, knowing that he is preeminent in this room, in any room, in any place that we stand, and the Holy Spirit has free reign. It's no longer our work. It's coming to that place. We are in a season of Passover. We're in an era of Passover, but we're also in a time of redeeming. God, everyone is speaking about it. Redemption, redemption, redeeming the time, redeeming what was lost. Well, what does that mean? Have you come, have you asked the Lord, what needs to still be redeemed in my life that I have not done? That I've not gone back and closed the door? That I have not decided to deal with? that I've not decided to let go and let him fix it. So then, then he can say, now close that door. Are we willing to walk through that redemption? From 2005 to now, 17 years, that's how mine took place. I know it sounds long. But we all have different paths. We all have different things that have been opened in our life, different doorways. We all have places that we have to go that many have not gone. But are we willing to do it? See, Christ did it. So are we willing to partner with what he's already done? Because this is what he's asking of us. Walk the walk of faith and allow me to redeem you. His timing. 
I could have tried and hurried that up years ago because trust me, I was frustrated a lot of times being here. I didn't want to be here. But I knew in Florida his plan, and I had to walk through no matter what it looked like. I had to walk through a lot of pain of losses during that time, a lot of stupid mistakes. But that didn't stop God's plan. It didn't interrupt his plan. It just mean, meant that I had more stuff to fix. <laughs> you know? And this is, this is, it's like, why do we do this? Why do we insist upon doing things our way in our time when it just does not work? The people that we allow in our lives thinking, yes, this is supposed to happen. No, it's really not half the time. <laughs> And all the other things you got to get off because all of a sudden it's there. It's like, ah, oh, you know, it clouds the plan. It still goes, but it clouds it. Put you on bunny trails. <laughs> They're not necessary. You know? My friend told me, she says, Holly, you're like a time traveler. Because I, being a seer, I can go back in time and go forward in the future in both simultaneously and this is how I this is how I operate I can go back and forth going back to my past isn't wasn't never hard or terrible it was shocking when I found out some things it's like oh wow I never knew that happened okay I'm glad you never let me know that <laughs> but now that I do thank you God for redeeming this moment I forgive the person I forgive the situation be quick to do this. Not that I never was, but, you know, we can forgive all we want and we forgive, but there's always an appointed time of true forgiveness. When it really totally leaves your body and you can tell the difference, sickness starts to all of a sudden disappear. Gray hair doesn't, but the sickness will. <laughs> <laughs> it can wash it out, right? <laughs> you know, this new generation, it, they've grown up on a watered-down gospel. They've grown up on a gospel that really has lost sight of the cross. It really has lost sight of why Jesus? It's going back to the old foundation of things where the true gospel is preached. It's helping them to see that the only thing that matters is life in Christ. Everything else is the additive that he brings to us. You know, there's some places in our lives that it almost feels like a pause. Like you're going along and all of a sudden it gets ripped out from under you and you don't know why, right? You think this is my path, I'm supposed to do this, and all of a sudden it feels like there's a pause because there's no answers to why this happened or there's no finished product out of it. It's like, uh, and then you have to move on to something. 
there's a reason for that pause. God is in that pause right there. And it's not about anything going wrong or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of dynamics that can be a part of it. But it's a pause that God put for a specific reason. He's like, okay, first let's get over here and take care of something else. Because for you to go beyond this point, this has to go. Because again, Passover, 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 Passover in the kingdom of God, Passover. So what are you passing over this season? What are you passing over that no more will come forth in this season because come next Passover, if, if that thing is still here, you can't really cross over again. You can't pass over that to go up because you have to deal with it. Be quick to deal. Be quick to go. Be quick to go back to the dungeon of your soul and get it out. Because it really is. It became a dungeon from the enemy, and God wants to clean it all up and make it pure and holy again. So that only he fills this space so that the living water from you comes forth. It's not coming from the pain. It's coming from the overcoming, and it's coming forth to help resurrect someone else out of theirs. Living water. Living water cannot exist where there's a dungeon of darkness, taints the water, turns black. I spent a lot of years cleaning out my dungeon, going after what I knew I could. Let me rephrase that because there's a lot of things, again, that the Lord said, no. <laughs> Don't touch that until I'm ready. And that's okay. Because then you know that you can walk into it and walk out of it. <laughs> There's not a fight. I spent a lot of years fighting when I came back from Florida. Fighting because when the Lord came to visit me and you gave the verse, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, this is what the Lord did for me when I was in Florida. He literally lifted me up out of my body to spare me what was happening, to refresh me, to save me before he said, now it's time to come home. So I understand that verse wholeheartedly. But even when I came back and I knew what he was doing, I was fighting I was fighting because I learned how to do Ephesians 6 before I understood Ephesians 1. I'm serious. I was a warrior breed. I was ready to fight. Let's go. Let's go get some demons. Let's do some deliverance. I, I psh, Yeah, I got it. Mm. Mm. It's all well and good and Praise God he got me through all of that. I learned some stuff the hard way <laughs> and the ugly way. But for such a time as this, and for whatever reason that my journey is kind of backwards, 
for whatever reason, maybe it's just the way I'm built, I don't know, the power of the risen Christ is so much more solid in me that it's a different kind of power. Again, it's seated as I walk. It's seated as I stand. It's seated as I attempt to sing. <laughs> it's seated as I attempt to just be me because now I have all these generational doors shut in my life. He's redeemed these dreams and he says, it's done. It's under the blood. I was delivered from poverty last season. I was delivered from the religious spirit quite a few years ago. And he's healing me from the infirmity that I've been dealing with for years. This is the redemptive cross. This is what God has meant to do for us, what Christ has done for us. He sent it just for this. So if you could take time, look, ask God to look back there. What is it that I need to pass over? What is it that I need to let you show me the way to do it? What is it that I need to just drop? How do I reach to the point where the true power of the cross and the risen king, the seated king, is fully operating in my life where these little minions and ankle biters are just something that I can just kick off and keep going? That is the power of the cross. It's coming up to a mature place of being seated with Christ. People nowadays, they're going to start coming to Christ. It's going to happen fast for them. There's going to be a lot coming into them, and there's just going to be like a whirlwind for them. And maybe the Lord will give them the whole revelation of the cross right away, and maybe not. But the one thing to always ask them, what is your perception of the Father? How do you perceive God? Because if the perception is off, get him into a conversation. Take him to the throne room and show him who God is. Because that's what's important. That was the whole purpose of Christ. It's to the Father. To the Father. The fear of the Lord is coming. The fear of the Lord is coming upon people soon. And it's going to come, and it will fall upon those who are true followers of Christ. True followers. True followers means that we are, we are sold out. I've been asking, Lord, what does that really mean? You've already paid the price for me, so am I, what does sold out mean? What does that physically look like? What does that emotionally look like? I'm sold out. This is sold out on your knees. It's not about what you do. It's not about how you get to your, the destination of your calling because we're all called. We're all called to love and worship the Father first and foremost. Everything after that is added because he loves you. 
everything after that. But being sold out is being on your knees, being in the secret place, being in such a relationship with the Father that you can hear that conversation right now as you're talking to somebody. You can suddenly see, hey, the Lord's pointing this out in you right now. Let's pray. It's his power working through us. What are we willing to sacrifice ourselves? And what does that look like for you? Doesn't mean giving up. I, I really don't believe that you have to give up relationships and all that. I mean, some have to fall by the wayside, yes, but it's, it's giving up your time in your emotional state of mind, in your heart. It's, it's sacrificing those areas that you would otherwise give unto other, other things and give it under God. That's a sacrifice. It's all of that. It's remembering that. That's what Christ did. He gave up all his desires. He only did what the Father said to do. He didn't do anything extra. He only said what the Father said. He didn't say anything extra. He only gave of himself by way of the Holy Spirit through him of what the Father said to do. He could have gone on and healed every single person and he could have kiboshed to the Pharisees in the, in the temples. But he only did as he was supposed to do because he was sold out. He was so sold out to God's plan. Can we be sold out to God's plan? Can we be so sold out that we understand the cross so much that we are sold out to that and operate from a seated place? Not my will, but your will. Again, and I'm going to say this because that's how I believe. Quit following the disciples and follow Jesus in the word of God. I, the disciples are great. Begin to really look for Jesus in the word. Go back and look for the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and see how the prophetic really operated. Go through the New Testament. Jesus, where were you? Jesus. Follow Jesus. Because that is who we are to be alike. Out of that will become well, the bold of lions, the Judah, the, the strength, the army, the angels that can follow us. It's when we follow Jesus, who, who is God. When you see Jesus, you see God. Is it just me who really sees the power in that? Who really just grabs on that there's nothing else that is more pure than that love right there? When you see Christ, you see God. And we have every bit 
every bit of, it, I don't even know what to call it. There's just, there's no words for God. There's no words for Christ. There's no words for really what he did. There's no words of what he has done in our lives. There's no words to what he wants to continue to do. There are no words. Thank you isn't even good enough. It's not. Because he is so beyond this. So our actions have to say it all. Our actions in this world, our actions and how we are with each other and lifting each other up and loving each other and getting over the quirks and get whatever, just living this life and loving, that is the only thing that we can do that says thank you, that makes what he's done right. Redemptive cross. Our journey is a redemptive journey. When you begin to think along the lines of redemption, it makes things so much easier. There's no work in redemption because it's already been done. Now you just have to walk through. And it doesn't have to be hurtful. I know it feels like it, but that's just our flesh. That's just our emotions that have not been submitted to Christ. So as an activation, if you all can just take time to really think about what that is. Some of you may be already in that process, but there's always something that there's something this season that God wants you to really pass over so that he can put you into a better place. Just take time to really think what that is. Say, Lord, what is the redemptive plan for this? And allow him to walk you through it because it's not painful, I promise. Ask him to give you a dream. Ask him to give you signposts that shows that you're on your way through that. Be willing to pass over with whatever it is he has for you this season. Just take a few minutes if you want. Pray that through. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.